Hi everyone, welcome to Morning Matcha. Today's episode is super special because I get to interview my cousin, Dr. Angie Sadeki, who's a board certified gastroenterologist. Hi. Hi. Thank um, you for having me. Thanks. I'm for, so excited to be here today. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk to you. I mean, this has been like a long time coming and you're so busy. I'm. We've been planning this forever and every single weekend and every single day you're just doing something and I'm so inspired by you and you sharing your message. It's been so beautiful to watch and I'm just lucky to be part of it today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I've always loved and respected you, your work. And I feel like you're one of those amazing souls who was put on this earth to help people. Aww. And you do it from the bottom of your heart. So you. I'm so lucky to be a part of your That's so nice. Well, show. you too. And as a doctor, I mean, that's really what you do. And I'm really excited to ask you about that too, because when you became a doctor, you weren't plant-based and that's really a, a main message of yours is living a plant-based lifestyle. So I'm curious how that has changed the way you practice medicine now that yeah. you're, yeah. You know, it's really weird in life. Um, you're born and raised and you go into these stereotypes. Mine was the medical, traditional medical space. And I fell into that stereotype and I was practicing it exactly like our forefathers did, yeah. uh, previous doctors and generations and generations of medical uh, treatments in this country has been basically cookie cutter. You, you go to school, you are, um, you become a genius in discovering or diagnosing disease and treating it with pharmaceuticals. And you become so good at it that it's ridiculous. Like we're probably the best in the world in regards to medical therapy and diagnosing disease and treating it with pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. However, I think one big chunk that's missing in our medical uh, uh, society in this country is treating disease with nutrition. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, as doctors, we are trained to think nutrition doesn't help. Nutrition doesn't prevent disease, doesn't reverse disease, has nothing to do with it. It's all genetic. When you have it, you're doomed. Take the insulin, take the cholesterol medicine, the Lipitor, take this and that, and just do it. That's it. Why? I mean, why, when you were in school, did you even think about the nutrition piece? Like, is that what they would say? Or was that just not spoken about? It's not at all discussed or taught in medical school. The, each medical student gets about 10 hours or 20 hours of nutrition in school. And it's focused on really just diagnosing disease and treating with pharmaceuticals. And, you know, as I... <laughs> I fell into that trap. And as, as I was practicing medicine, it came to a point where I'm like, wow, you know, all I'm doing is prolonging suffering yeah. and a poor quality of health. Mm -hmm. Am I really treating people? I'm definitely not preventing disease, right? Because people are coming to me already sick. I'm mm -hmm. not preventing disease. And shouldn't I just be doing that? Yeah. Um, I'm not reversing disease because all I'm saying is, okay, you have diabetes. Here's insulin and metformin for your diabetes. You have high blood pressure. Here's some lisinopril for that. And you have cholesterol. Here's some Zocor for that. Wow. And so what am I doing there? I'm pushing the pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I think the pharmaceutical industry is so evil and they Me twist too. their data. So <laughs> what happens is I'm putting toxins in my patient's body bodies and don't get me wrong there are situations when Definitely. that is necessary but mm -hmm. it should be like 
last resort. Exactly. Right? Like, you know, truth, my son has yes. a genetic condition and I'm grateful that Western medicine was able to pick that up through testing. And then, you know, he's on medication that mm -hmm. is really important and life-saving for him. And he takes that every day. Yes. So yes. But I also still believe that the ad agenda as a whole is really for profit. For sure, yeah. for sure. And you saw that every single day. Absolutely. And then, you know, another thing that happens is when you start as a physician, I realized when I was starting these people on multiple medicines, that's called polypharmacy. There's a term for that because mm -hmm. it causes side effects. Yeah. So then I was saying that I'm giving medicines for the side effects. For example, I was giving for heart failure patients uh, diuretics to get rid of the water, but then I'd had to give them potassium because I'm giving them side effects of electrolyte imbalances. And then that's like our grandpa, right? Yes. He, he had a he, in and out of the hospital, right? Yeah. Because of that imbalance with potassium yeah. sodium, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to give you a funny story here. Yeah. I had a patient who was on the standard American diet, eating bacon and cheese and all that bad stuff. Cause he was thin and he always told me like, if I go plant-based, I'm going to get skinnier and yeah. I don't want that. And he kept fighting with me on that. I was like, look, just because you're thin, it doesn't mean that you're uh, bulletproof. You will have coronary artery disease and mm -hmm. your arteries are getting clotted the way you're eating. He was like, I just don't want to eat healthy. Like you're saying, if I eat all these greens and fruits and vegetables, I will lose weight. I need like calorie dense foods. He fought with me on that. And I said, like, mark my word. I'm looking at your blood tests. Mark my word. You will have a heart attack. Oh he kept on eating the Santa Maria diet. I kept seeing him. I kept pushing it. He was just uh, not, didn't want to hear it. So I let it go. Um, fast forward four years, I got a call from him when he was in the hospital. He said, I just had a heart attack. They cracked open my chest and had to put, yank out uh, uh, veins out of my leg and implanted in my heart. Oh my it's called the coronary artery bypass. So he got the coronary artery bypass. This is a long, brutal procedure. I mean, you don't want that. No. <laughs> um, it's when the native arteries get clogged. So I'm like, wow, I'm so sorry. You know, I'm like, well, I'm not going to preach yet. Let, let him come back to see yeah. me. I'm like, this guy is just in the hospital. I was like, well, come back and see me, please. We need to talk. He came back and I'm like, so how's your diet now? This is post-heart attack. He's like, yeah, I'm just going to eat the same stuff. I'm like, what do you mean? He says, well, I asked my cardiothoracic surgeon, should I be on my, uh, my doctor's asking me to eat a plant-based diet? What do you think? He said, well, you have new arteries now. Now you can eat whatever you want. Oh my goodness. Like, so he was eating chips and, oh, and, and he asked his doctor, like, what can I eat to gain weight? Cause he's so focused on gaining, gaining weight, weight yeah. that he's eating unhealthy. He said, the physician actually said, eat chips, they help you gain weight. Whoa. And I'm like, it's like full of saturated fat, of course. And I'm like, are you serious? He said, yeah, well, that's what they said. I was like, there are other arteries in your body yeah. that are going to get clogged. It's not just your heart. Yeah. First of all, the penile artery gets clogged. A lot of people have uh, uh, sexual dysfunction uh, and impotence because of it. And that's the what? Penile, the, the artery that feeds the penis. Oh my It's gosh. smaller than the coronary artery. So a lot of people get erectile dysfunction a few because months before that. they have a heart attack. Oh my gosh. So that's I a terrible no bad news. So if you have erectile dysfunction, you need to talk to your doctor and let them know because that means you're like going to have a heart attack soon. And they'll just put you on like some sort of, you oh, know, Viagra. Yeah. here. So do you see how it's band-aid therapy for yes. everything? You know, mm -hmm. you have erectile dysfunction, Take Viagra. Yeah. You have coronary disease, take aspirin. 
and and so like what I see a lot is these people are on, on these blood thinners and stuff. They come in with GI bleeding, massive life-threatening GI bleeding, right? How do so, they know? So you find out that they have GI bleeding. They have no idea. Oh no, they come in with overt bleeding. Like they have tons of blood. They're pooping out tons oh of blood, gosh. or they're like vomiting blood, and they get hospitalized. Well, they were on aspirin for their heart. <laughs> Oh okay, but now they have an ulcer that's bleeding. Do you see how it's a vicious cycle and you should never fall into the trap yes. of this uh, type of traditional medical therapy on this? You absolutely have to. Yeah, <laughs> and I actually, like, I really want to get into that too. And I have one burning question because I, you know, there's this talk of like Medicare for all and it's important for everyone to have access, I believe, to healthcare. But then the type of healthcare that they have access to is not preventative. It's this exact cycle. Yes. And like, I just want to ask real quick what well, you I think. I think that every single person in this country should have some kind of a medical coverage. Yeah. I mean, so it's I think that, I mean, if you know, it's just like anything else, like you want luxury clothes, if you can afford it, go buy it. You yeah. know, if you want um, a luxury car, that's fine. You know, I have a Ford Fusion, but if I could afford it one day, I'll have a Bentley. I mean, that's fine. But yeah. I think that it's like every single person and every single child in this country should have number one, basic medical care and number two, de basic dental care. That yeah. should be everybody, right? Yeah. And we, I think as a person, we have the duty to protect people who can't afford to buy it or they can't uh, afforded because of some mental health mm -hmm. or uh, some kind of a medical condition they were born with, or they are just simply unable to because of their background or family upbringing. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm more than happy to pay my taxes into medical care for all. Mm -hmm. Now, I Preventative think, though, should it yeah, be a luxury? So we'll get there. Yeah. I think there should be like a two-tier system. If someone's like, well, I don't want to wait to see my doctor. I want some kind of a concierge therapy or whatever. You can buy insurances that give you a little bit of a luxury. It's just like driving a Toyota versus a Bentley. Yeah, That's fine. If you're a wealthy person, you can. Same thing with insurance. If you're wealthier, you want something, some kind of a specialized care, go for it. You should be able to buy that. But basic medical care is an absolute necessity. You, mm -hmm. We need to. We Oh, like it's a, it's a duty of every single citizen to, to be have. able to give and part of their paycheck mm -hmm. to provide that for the persons, people who can't afford it. But here's the thing. If we have a, a medical system that is providing care for every single person, that's wonderful, but it's still not preventative, right? No, yeah. So that's not just uh, the uh, Medicare or Medi-Cal. It's not just... It's not, basically, it's not a tradition in this country. We need to implement this type of medical prevention for all. Yeah. Um, and it's basically, it's changing the way we uh, approach. treat, approach disease. So yeah. I think the, uh, the basic medical care is not the only thing we need to think about. Mm -hmm. We also need to think about how we can implement prevention in medical schools and train yeah. our doctors to learn more about nutrition to help patients reverse disease or prevent disease. Mm -hmm. And so I think this, we have two different problems here. Do you see what I yeah. mean? And um, 
that's not just for Medicare. We need to do that for everyone, even the wealthy who can afford better medical insurance. It doesn't matter. Even they're being treated by doctors who are still bandit treated. Yeah, do you see what I, I agree, mean? Yeah. So I think we need to go back and look at where is this problem starting to begin with. And I think it starts stems from medical school tr- teachings and training. Mm-hmm. And uh, there needs to be more teaching in regards to prevention. You need to be part of that. I, I mean, you be. are part of that movement just by being you and practicing the way you practice, but it's like going back and like teaching them and, you know, doing that so important because people like you are, there's just so few of you guys. Yes. So, okay. When you talk about your, these patients or the story that you mentioned earlier, um, was that someone, so was that before you specialized in gastroenterology or he was just your patient because of what reason? He was my patient because of inflammatory bowel disease. Oh, okay. So Crohn's disease. So he had that as he well. He had that oh as well. <laughs> so he was seeing me for my, his gut problems. But you know, the body is all connected. Mm-hmm. What you eat that's healthy for Crohn's disease or inflammatory bowel disease or IBS, it's the same kind of nutrition you would eat for your heart. And I was trying to find him a compelling reason to change. And I was like, look, look, you have high cholesterol too, and that will go down. And you have Crohn's disease, that will get better. So I was trying to tie it all in because I treat the person as a whole. It's not just the colon. Yeah. It's not just the heart. Even as a gastroenterologist, I have to be uh, conscious of treating patients holistically mm-hmm. through an integrative approach. Yeah. Yeah. So important. So There are so many people that are trying to now look into alternative therapies for treating those, um, those diseases you were saying, like IBS and Crohn's and all sorts of things. But can you tell us a little bit about the root cause of those illnesses? Yeah. Um, Great question. So in the last decade, this is all new information. In the last decade, we have come to realize that there is a hundred trillion gut microbiome that live in the gut from mouth to anus. And the majority of these gut microbiome, about 90% of them live in the colon. And that's your specialty, any yeah. from mouth to anus. That's amazing. That's it, you mouth to see anus. it all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Butts and guts. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but it's like now, not just about the tubular GI, yeah. the, the long hollow tube. It's uh, also about the gut microbiome because they have a hundred times more genetics than our own eukaryotic cells put together. So imagine how powerful they are. In fact, uh, because they carry more genetics, I could easily say that um, they are the most powerful organ uh, Mm -hmm. that we have. Mm -hmm. And uh, they have, uh, they're the largest organ in our body because they, 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 they carry so much genetics that their importance weighs more than even the heart and the brain and everything is yeah. connected and they connect the, they live inside the two luminal GI tract, um, in a symbiotic relationship with us and they have their own DNA, their own genetics. And That's so cool. they contribute so much to our body and our mental health, like, right. Yes, I mean, is that a mental lot of health. our serotonin actually created in our gut? 90% of mm-hmm. it. Absolutely. So gut health and uh, brain health are very well interconnected. But you know, one thing people don't realize is when you eat food, so this is for the doctors who are like, food doesn't matter. Okay. Well, let's think about this for a second. How could you say that? Let me give you the evidence here. When you eat food, the microbiome is the first organ that that interacts with the food that you eat. Mm-hmm. And they have thousands and thousands of uh, enzymatic reactions 
that they they have going on mm-hmm. constantly because they're all these little organisms, right? And they have their their own in their own world mm-hmm. viruses bacteria fungi uh, protozoa and all that stuff and another one called archaea so the food that you eat acts as a substrate for these microbiome and through enzymatic reactions they produce molecules and hormones and all kinds of other stuff right so the food that you eat produces hormones absolutely absolutely so like when you eat something based on if it's healthy or unhealthy, here's how you can choose health or disease based mm-hmm. on what you put in your body. Because this food that you're eating is a substrate for these microbiome. And the microbiome either produces healthy molecules or unhealthy molecules mm-hmm. based on what you put into your body in the first place. I'll give you an example of that. There's a, there is something called short-chain fatty acids. Mm-hmm. There's so important for our health in repair, regeneration of the colonic cells to prevent colon cancer, to feed your muscles, um, to activate your muscles, to decrease the risk of diabetes and uh, fatty liver disease and metabolic disorders, all of that stuff. So if you eat fruits and vegetables, nuts, seeds, grains, and legumes that have fiber in them, that fiber gets metabolized by the gut microbiome and the production of sh- and the result end result is the production of short-chain sh- fatty acids. They diffuse into your blood system, circulate from head to toe, and they cause health. They produce a healthy situation. The opposite is true too. Let's say you ate some processed uh, food that has no fiber. Most uh, common example I can use is let's say you ate a piece of bacon mm-hmm. that goes into your gut. And uh, through enzymatic reactions by the gut microbiome, it produces a molecule called TMAO, trimethylamine um, oxide. And that causes disease. It digs holes in your arteries and allows all the cholesterol to go into the arteries and clog your arteries. So here's an example of like eating an apple versus bacon. Mm -hmm. You just decided the minute you put that food in your body, whether you want health or disease. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. So uh, with that, with talking about this um, digestive tract and everything, a lot of, a lot of people today are getting information through social media and most people on social media aren't board certified physicians (laughs) and we are taking supplements that influencers are taking. We're doing all sorts of things. So some of those things include taking digestive enzymes. I want to hear your um, you know, what you think about taking yeah. digestive enzymes that you haven't necessarily been told um, how to by a doctor and also things like colonics and other things that maybe you've seen people do that you do or um, or you don't agree with? Yeah, so that's a very good question. So I'm going to uh, slice it up into t- three different answers because th- each one of those questions are golden. So yeah. let's talk about supplements first. Yeah. Um, as we get away from bags and bags of pharmaceuticals, mm-hmm. we're starting to take bags and bags of supplements. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the difference? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and people are like, well, this is natural. So is cocaine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, does it matter? natural herbs can be potent too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you can't just take it for granted that you're taking a concentrated form of something yeah. and putting it in a pill. And for example, zinc is good for you if you're eating it with food. Zinc is good for you. But studies have shown that if you take zinc pills, suddenly it causes dysbiosis or an imbalance of the gut microbiome. Mm-hmm. Here's an example why a supplement can cause disease, right? Yeah. So 
I've, I've seen patients get away from the traditional medical therapy and I totally fully understand why. You know, because people are like, I don't want to go to a doctor who's pushing pills. Exactly. But yeah. then they go to other practitioners who are less knowledgeable about medical care and all that uh, good stuff. They're mm -hmm. not evidence-based mm -hmm. and they're practicing, uh, but, but they're not following evidence-based science. Mm -hmm. And so then they come to my office with a bag of supplements they got because these certain practitioners are not billing insurance, so they have to make money somehow. So mm -hmm. now supplements are finding their way into medical therapy, medical therapy. Yeah. And so these patients are having side effects from the supplements. Yeah. And so they come to me and they're like, okay, number one, I just spent thousands of dollars. I mean, these are people who are like living paycheck to paycheck. And they come in with $600 worth of supplements and they've done thousands of thousands of dollars worth of testing insurances and cover and they're still not better. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this yeah. is taking advantage of patients who can't afford... Um, all these medicines and yeah. testing. Mm -hmm. So where do we stand here? It's a mess. The med it's traditional medical society has to understand that there's a huge gap mm -hmm. and there's a need for doctors to step up the plate and learn nutrition and prevention. So these poor people don't have to go to people who are not trained in yeah. medical uh, yeah. evidence-based medicine. So yeah, digestive enzymes, most of the time, 99.9% .9 of the time, useless. Mm -hmm. Why? Your own pancreas, if it's working, it's producing lipase, amylase, and all these other digestive enzymes that your body needs to break down food, right? Mm -hmm. So why would you take digestive enzymes? If your pancreas works, it works, right? Yeah. Okay. Now, if you don't have if you do have pancreatic insufficiency because of history of pancreatitis, because of a, pa a pancreas resection, because of advanced diabetes, then you should be on real big doses that are not over the counter anyway. They would be prescription doses. Mm -hmm. So my question for you is why are you taking them? If you have pancreatic insufficiency, you shouldn't be on these $5 bottle yeah. digestive enzymes. Anyway, that's a joke. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> other things like, I mean, supplements like, I don't know. I mean, I see all kinds of stuff. Probiotics. So many, yeah. Probiotics. 99.9% yeah, of the time. Talk to me about probiotics. It's yeah. a billion dollar industry yeah. and it's all a scam. Oh my gosh. You know, why is that? Because you cannot take one a concentrated form of a probiotic, put it in a bottle and act like your digestive system is going to get better. Yeah. There is a huge, um, there's the dynamics of the gut is that there's candida, there's um, probiotic, like the bacteria, there's the protozoa. And you can't just do, you just one. can't isolate one and expect it to, to, to sit in your gut happily ever after with the rest of the biome. So they did a study, it's a very sophisticated uh, study, came out in 2018, published in Cell, um, that was done in Israel. And that was one of my favorite studies where they took um, people and gave them antibiotics and eradicated like 70% of their biome mm -hmm. uh, by using antibiotics. By the way, don't take antibiotics if you don't have to, absolutely yeah. have to. Yeah. And they eradicated the gut microbiome and half of these people took probiotics and these other half didn't. And the group that didn't take the probiotics did better wow. than the two pay, uh, people who took uh, probiotics. And perhaps there is some kind of a competition going on where your resident biome doesn't want these foreign invaders. Yeah. So it's uh, it, dis it disinhibited the uh, homeostasis the, from of its coming own back. body trying yes. to come back. So oh after that gosh. study came out, I tell my patients, don't take probiotics. You know, the best probiotic is the one 
you don't take, the, what, what you do is you eat foods to nurture the current residents that yeah. are living in there already. Like and fermented vegetables? Not or, at all. It's no. fiber. Fiber. It's so easy, right? It's so easy. Like, I, I wish I had a fancy way of... <laughs> but just fiber, it's like just, just fiber. raw veggies. Uh, anything that has fiber, like fruits. Uh, I'm a big fan of fruits. The more fruits you eat, the healthier you are. Fruits, yeah. vegetables, nuts, seeds, uh, grains, and legumes. But mostly fruits and vegetables. And they're rich in fiber. And they have resistant starches that escape digestion in the small bowel. They go into the colon and they get fermented by the gut microbiome. And that's food on its for the bile. it gets fermented. Yeah. Huh? yeah. It gets fermented on its own. On not its because, own. Yeah. And I don't believe in eating excessive amounts of fermented food. I mean, if you like fermented foods, eat it. But don't overdo it. Yeah. Because we don't have any medical evidence now that it's... Um, absolutely awesome for you. Yeah, I mean, it kind of is like, right, our culture, you eat the rice, but then you also have the torshi, which is the fermented, but yes. you don't eat massive amounts right. of torshi. You yes. have just a tiny bit or the tiny bit of yogurt, but it's not like that's all you're eating because now everyone's just overdoing it on everything that they overdoing. think is good. Like, for example, everyone's overdoing it on the yogurt, yeah. and I'm seeing problems with that. People are taking, uh, like, Greek yogurt, and they come to me with IBS. Well, one of the most common reasons I see that people have been previously diagnosed with IBS is because of dairy. Wow. Dairy products are horrible for your digestion, right? Yeah. Um, about 70% of the population are lactose intolerance, intolerant, which makes sense. We're not cows. Yeah. We're not baby cows. That's baby calf growth fluid you're eating. Yeah. And then it's like giving truth uh, giraffe's milk. Would yeah. you do that? No. no. I mean, your breast milk is suited for your baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and... Each species, like I wouldn't drink rat's milk yeah. or giraffe's or elephant's milk. I drank my mother's milk and that was it for like two years. I know. It's amazing. She yeah. nursed you guys for a long time. I you love have really the traditional good, yeah. moms. You I know. love that she did that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So we talked about uh, enzymes. I love that you debunked that and probiotics. Now, what about colonics? Yeah. And, okay. And the difference between like colonics and even enemas, like you're against all of it. Or what do you think about yeah, it? Yeah, so the colon is a long tube. Um, it, 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 we have the rectum, the sigmoid colon, the descending colon, the transverse colon, the ascending colon, and the cecum. The difference between an enema and a colonic is this, that the enema only reaches about this much. Maybe it goes into the rectum and the sigmoid, and it evacuates the clogged up stools from the bottom part. Colonics tend to go farther up and clean clean the whole colon. But here's what what the problem is. Um, the colon is supposed to be what? Dirty. Yeah. It's the dirtiest surface. Like if I just did this and I, uh, you tested my finger, the tip of my finger, there is some bacteria living here right now. Um, if you go into your toilet and just scrape your hand and tested it there's some bacteria but guess what your colon is way dirtier than any surface even the bathroom surfaces right yeah. there's more bacteria living in your colon than any anywhere else so the question is nature has it that we are supposed to have dirty colons right yeah. so what happens if we clean it try to clean it <laughs> well there is a purpose for this gut microbiome and as, as i discussed before there's a hundred trillion gut microbiome living in your gut and most of them are supposed to be in colon in the colon fermenting food synthesizing vitamins and all kinds of things right what happens if you go clean them out not a good idea is it so colonics just 
cause dysbiosis, especially because, you know, um, there is the short chain fatty acids that are produced in the colon by the process of fermentation of these important gut microbiome. They are produced in varying degrees in the colon. So if you have more short chain fatty acid uh, production in the right side of the colon, the acid base balance is different than the short chain fatty acid production in the left side of the colon. So acid base balance is different as different as you travel through the colon, right? Mm -hmm. Now let's just say we're and we become these overzealous humans. We who we think like we think that we've got it figured out and nature doesn't know anything. We have it figured out better. Let's just do colonics mm -hmm. to clean the colon. Mm -hmm. Well, what happens is we disturb the acid base balance and the pH balance and what we call cause is something called dysbiosis, um, which is a uh, an imbalance of uh, the microbiome. Mm -hmm. So. Why do people do colonics? Well, some think that, I don't know, uh, you know, when they get constipated and they have, they're full of stool that they want to get cleansed. Well, that's the worst way of getting your uh, colon cleaned. The best way to do it is to be patient and not try to get that instant satisfaction of a colonic um, to clean your colon, yet start, um, I'm going to use this detoxifying your colon by eating a lot of uh, fiber-rich foods, plant foods that stimulate your colon to move and improve the peristaltic actions of the colon. Mm -hmm. And when your colon starts moving, it uh, moves the poop through, as well as when you eat uh, a lot of fiber through osmosis, a lot of water is dragged into your colon, and that by itself helps the movement of um toxins out of your colon. So I agree, we need to detoxify, but not detoxify by some the uh, other way, yeah. you know, uh, witchcraft method that they've been doing for thousands of years. But I mean, now we know better, right? That's tradition. It's been around for thousands of years. I mean, it this has. is not a new thing. I mean, I believe it started in Egypt or things like that. And yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I think it did start in Egypt. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, now we know better through science uh, that we shouldn't disturb this balance. And so eat healthy foods with every bite, try to nourish your body with healthy foods. And in my opinion, how do you define a healthy food? Something that's organic, no toxins, something that is not processed, not taken out of its original form, or mm -hmm. maybe mildly processed, and I'll explain that what that means, um, and has fiber. Mm -hmm. Those are the three criteria, organic, whole food, uh, fiber rich, right? Mm -hmm. And that is the best way you can cleanse your body and get rid of the toxins. And by mildly processed, I meant this, like, you know, there's a, there's a scale of one to 10 of processed, like totally processed is like bacon and chips and fried uh garbage food like oh gosh in and out or whatever right? white yeah. bread and things yeah. like that uh whole food something that you pick off the tree you know like uh you just took an apple off the tree and you're looking at it oh i know exactly where this grew mm -hmm. i can see it it's a whole food mildly processed is like for example you take nuts and you uh, grind them that's mm -hmm. very mildly processed right yeah it's not its original but you blended it and mm -hmm. you broke it down. And then uh, a little bit more processed than that would be like tofu or tempeh. Yeah, it's from soybeans, but it's not in its original. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like, I call it mildly processed, like a three out of 10 level. Mm -hmm. And so it's a spectrum. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? So my thing is, if it doesn't have fiber, it doesn't belong in my body and it has to be only mildly processed, yeah. uh, like tofu or tempeh. And it has to be whole food. So mm -hmm. that's how you can figure out, okay, what, what should I eat? What should I not eat? Yeah, I love that. And 
what about going back to detoxing and like all these cleanses and stuff like that? What do you, oh my gosh. And I totally forgot. I wanted to ask you about parasites. Yes. Because yeah. I, oh my I gosh, used to be like, oh my gosh, I have so many parasites. parasites. I, have par- <laughs> I, I even, I'm pretty sure I talked to you about yeah. it and was like, I, mean, I see the parasites when I get my colonics and they're everywhere. And I don't know. I just wanted to talk about it because when I stopped doing all that, I felt a lot better, Mm -hmm. but I also don't know if it's because I was doing all that, but probably because my microbiome is now balanced too. But yeah, let's talk about parasites and I'm sure people can get parasites obviously from traveling overseas and stuff, but yeah. yeah. So, okay. So that's a really, really good question. I'll come back to it in just a second. Let's talk about detoxes. Mm -hmm. There is no magic wand Mm -hmm. and there's no overnight detoxing. It's a lifestyle. Detox to me means living a healthy lifestyle where number one, you take care of your mental health and surround yourself with positive energy and vibration. You help other people and you give so you feel good about yourself and you nourish your body with healthy food. Every day of your life, every single day, and yeah, we all cheat. I I drink alcohol once in a while too and I know that's not detoxing my body, but mm-hmm. Once in a while, you know, we no one's perfect, yeah. right? So every day, living a healthy lifestyle is nourishing your body and detoxing. And your system, your liver cells, and your body has uh, a fantastic, uh, very like um, extravagant uh, way of detoxing your body every single day. So your body is built to do that on mm-hmm. its own. Mm-hmm. And when you try to intervene, it's not as great. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the way to detox. Like I said, live a healthy lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? No stress or everyone has stress, but know how to manage stress. And like I said, don't eat, um, bad foods, mm-hmm. eat organic foods that don't have toxic materials in them and eat nourishing food full of fiber to to get these toxins and kick them out of your body mm-hmm. and let your cellular mechan- mechanisms to take over that job because yeah. you can't do it and so what people do is they eat excuse my language they eat like crap they eat like really horribly every day like mm-hmm. this standard american diet and they have fatty liver disease heart disease this disease and that disease and they go on these retreats and, and they're they water given, fast or whatever yeah like, here take these detox pills as if that damage of the last 10 years is going to go away with those detox pills there's yeah. no magical detox pills out there mm-hmm. it's called eating a healthy uh, living a healthy lifestyle how's that mm-hmm. so it's all about money, isn't it? If it's not the pharmaceutical industry pushing medical medicines on us, it's the uh, supplement industry pushing supplement on us and awful people trying to sell their magic de- detox programs to mm-hmm. us. We have to be careful. Yeah, uh, my, There's a lot of agendas out there and it's all about making money. People get ripped off all the time. So know that there's no magic pill, right? You just eat healthy every day. Um, parasites. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So... Like I said, in our body, there are 100 trillion gut microbiome viruses, candida or like fungi, mm-hmm. uh, totally normal residents, yeah. uh, protozoa, uh, there is archaea and uh, bacteria. These guys all live with us in a symbiotic relationship. Mm-hmm. And um, usually there is a, and there's good good guys and bad guys. There's the inflammatory guys and there are the healthy guys, the inflammatory 
bacteria produce inflammatory molecules and the good guys produce good molecules mm -hmm. like the short chain fatty acids. Um, there's some kind of a balance there. If the balance is off, uh, the bad guys can win and they can be called parasitic mm -hmm. because now suddenly these bad guys are taking over because you're eating so badly. Mm -hmm. You're not nourishing the good guys. The bad guys take over. Or for example, let's just say you take antibiotics and you kill off all the good bacteria and the bad bacteria get, take, get stronger. There's an example of that uh, called C. diff, C. diff colitis yeah. that people get from yeah. taking antibiotics. Why? It's because you're killing off the good guys. The bad guys get stronger. And a lot of moms uh, end up getting it sometimes when they're given antibiotics during childbirth yes. and then they get a C-section and all that. But then they're more likely to get C. diff and then, yeah. It's a terrible problem in this world. Yeah. And doctors need to stop prescribing antibiotics mm -hmm. altogether unless mm -hmm. it's an emergency life-threatening situation. Nobody should take antibiotics. Oh yes. So you, you and I are completely on that same yeah. page. And then there's a lot of antibiotics in our food because the cows are diseased. Mm -hmm. um, and so they push these antibiotics on, on, on the animals that people eat, right? I don't, yeah. but some people eat animals. So then they're getting antibiotics through that too. Yeah. It's everywhere. It's ubiquitous. So the, at that point, the bacteria that was living with us now suddenly is parasitic because it's causing disease. There's other forms of parasites like Ascaris worms. You know, you could travel sometimes to other countries and get these parasitic uh, parasites that are like worms that do not live in our body. They're not They're normal not natural, resident. yeah. Yeah, and you could get those and they become, why are they called parasites? Because they live in your body and they take, 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 take all the nutrients that you have and they make you ill. So there's that type of parasites. And then there's, um, I mean, other parasites, viruses that could go in there and cause gastroenteritis. I mean, so depends on your definition of parasites. What normally people call parasites here are not actually parasites. Like there is a uh, rumor going around that candida cleanses are good. Like candida is a parasite. Yeah. Candida is not a parasite. It's like normal. It's normal. part of your body. Yeah. Normal, normal resident of the body. And I've talked to farmers and I've learned a lot about the soil because I'm getting into permaculture and uh, having my own fruits and vegetables and eating out of my own uh, home. Um, and, you know, the thing is, the farmers would tell you, look, there, there's a balance in the soil. I mean, the soil is sick. You can't have good produce. Yeah. And how is the soil like? And so they would tell you, candida is an important resident of the soil because they, they keep a check on the bacteria so the bacteria doesn't overgrow. Mm -hmm. So there's a yin yeah. and yang, you know, yeah. and you can't disturb that. And if you do, that causes disease. So it's the same thing with candida. Candida is not the bad guy. Candida is keeping a really nice balance in there. Yeah, when you kill the bacteria, the candida can uh, be can overgrow. Uh, that happens a lot in women who take antibiotics to get vaginal yeast infections. Mm -hmm. And then you have to locally treat the yeast infection. So you see, there's a balance there. And so don't try to do aggressive cleanses, aggressive uh, detoxes, because what you're doing is you're actually disturbing that balance. Yeah. I think as a society, we're, like you said, we're just obsessed with these extremes mm -hmm. because they ultimately seem easier to do than it's like someone that does yo-yo dieting and stuff. It's like easier for them to be like, okay, I'm just going to do this like for 10 days than like live a balanced lifestyle and go on walks, drink water, relax. And like, yeah. I don't know why as a society, that's the most difficult thing to do. <laughs> so crazy. Have you noticed we don't even breathe right? No. Yeah. I feel like you said that one time. I totally remember like being at a family party and conversation. You were talking about how we like breathe out of our mouths, right? 
And um, I don't remember specifically yeah. having this, but how many times did we sit there and take deep breaths and relax and meditate? I mean, yeah. you know, cause it's all a go-go. And I feel like women, this, this uh, day and age, us women have so much pressure on us because our entire value is based on upon how hot we are mm -hmm. and how, how good looking we are and what we dress like. And, um, and then at the same time, we're mothers, so we're working really hard. And at the same time, there's um, a lot of pressure for us to be great entrepreneurs or great doctors and lawyers and all that stuff. Yeah, and it's so like added pressure <laughs> with this, like, yeah, being equal. We've added even more pressure to so ourselves. Much, yeah. So much. So it's like always like I'm actually... Uh, sometimes struggling with that it's like yeah you know I love being an entrepreneur but I also have a child yeah how do I keep that balance I mm -hmm. love being um a mom but I love being a doctor how do I you do such a good job <laughs> I, love I try you go on trips with your son and he gets to choose where to go. it's so fun watching you guys travel yeah I love that boy to death mm -hmm. uh, you know so you know sweet. how it is when you have a child I mean yeah. it, you would do anything for that child and yeah. you're there, your heart and soul. And, mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, I also love being a doctor. Yeah. And so how do I balance that? And it's a very difficult problem that I feel like we didn't have even, um, 20, 30 years ago. This is a new thing that has mm -hmm. like, um, uh, come up for many female entrepreneurs, doctors, professionals. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a, I guess a, lucky problem to have it's a lucky problem to have <laughs> yeah. yeah but i think we just need to i feel like we need to surround ourselves with good energy and attract a certain type of people who help us balance our life and like for me for example like when i uh when i'm like when my mental health is at its bottom and my tank is empty i think about my mom who's an amazing influence in my yeah. life and your dad who's an amazing man. And I think about what would they do, mm -hmm. you know, and how would they handle this? Mm -hmm. And whenever I have stuff going on, I'm like, well, my uncle, who's like 10 times busier mm -hmm. is doing this. I can do this. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just, it's just, uh, you know, keeping a balance and sometimes like sitting down, taking deep breaths and surrounding yourself, yourself with people who elevate you because there are a lot of people who need your help and yeah. you need to help and give. But then sometimes you need to nourish yourself yeah, and help yourself. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes that's just being by yourself or just surrounding yourself with people that give you that energy too. Like you said, I love one of the things you said. I think one of my favorite takeaways from like this interview is the fact that you were saying just trust in your body's ability to heal itself yes. because that's not something that people tell you. And it's just so simple and something that you can imagine every single day. Like I trust in my liver's ability to heal itself. I trust in this, like I already have the energy and the vibration. It's all about really surrounding yourself and believing in that. And then knowing that that will come, which I love because I think that that really relates to most people, especially people listening to this podcast or watching it. But I am curious, like when someone comes to you in your office and does have Crohn's or does have IBS or is bleeding um, what, where do you start? Like, what do you do in yeah, that situation? So let's go back to what you were just saying. Cause it's so brilliant. Yeah. Trust in your body's ability to heal itself. Like we tend to be so controlling, right? Yeah. We're always trying to control situations and this didn't go my way. And I like, I, you know, you watch these romantic comedies on how the woman is trying to control every situation. And then they find out that what happened that was outside of the realm of their control was 
to their benefit. Yeah. I was watching a movie last night about this. It was so funny. And I realized like in life uh, as females, especially once we're, we're really busy. So we try to be so controlling with and our we, time and we everything. We just have yeah. to trust in the universe. The universe will guide us. We mm -hmm. just, just show up as yourself and do the best that you can. And the universe will guide us. You don't have to have every single second of your life controlled and planned. planned yeah. right? So we do the same thing with our health, don't we? We try to like go like, oh, you know, I heard vitamin C is good for you. So I'm just going to take vitamin mm -hmm. C tablets and try to control so it. So crazy. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. Your body, every single second, right now I'm talking to you, my body's killing cancer cells. Mm -hmm. Right now. Wow. Your body right now is killing mutations. So cells are dividing and growing. And every second there's mutations. And your body has enzymes that chop out these this. Uh, bad DNA piece and they redo it. Mm -hmm. And how does it do that? Well, when you eat healthy and when you nourish your body with antioxidants, fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, grains, whole foods, antioxidant rich foods, phytonutrients, your body, you give your body the ability to do that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you know, trust in your body that it will do that. Now, once in a while, nature, uh, things go wrong mm -hmm. in nature and sometimes the tumor develops mm -hmm. or the mutation grows. Sometimes uh, things go wrong and you develop inflammatory bowel disease or a Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. Now, you have done everything possible in your power to prevent disease, but this happens. Mm -hmm. Excuse my language, shit happens. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> well, even you were saying like you posted something about a polyp and, yeah. and you were like, I eat really clean, yeah. but I still have this. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I eat clean, but when I did my colonoscopy, I had. So that's where traditional medicine plays a role. Yeah. When shit happens, mm -hmm. there is a thing <laughs> that you can do about it. We can use technology to help us. Meaning um, if it's a tumor, you cut it out. If it's uh, inflammatory bowel disease, you use medicines to induce remission. And what I do is with inflammatory bowel disease patients, I educate them about diet because it's very important. I induce remission, remission with medicines, but then I keep them in remission with food. Yeah. If possible, sometimes people don't respond because they're so advanced that food doesn't work. Then I use medicines to keep them in remission. But yeah, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, you eat healthy and everything's going to be hunky-dory for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying medical therapy has its place in the last case. I guess it's the end, um, like, what yeah. is that called? Um, in the emergencies, yeah. em emergency situations where nature has failed us, then mm -hmm. yeah, we can. But I feel like we should do everything, everything in our power to prevent needing these yeah. therapies. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing with us all your knowledge and for doing the work that you're doing. I really appreciate it. I love you so much. Thank this you. And so I fun. love you so much. You're just so amazing. I'm, you know, I, I've watched you grow because, you know, I mean, I know I'm going to cry. <laughs> and it's like, did I ever, I'd never thought in my wildest imagination that I would be sitting here talking to you today on your podcast. So fun. I love you Thank from you. the bottom of my heart. Thank Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this week's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, leave a comment or review, and share with your friends. I'm always reading our comments and love hearing from you, so keep in touch, and I'll see you next time.